Kenny the Sports Guy podcast. Hello and welcome back to Kenny the Sports Guys podcast. I'm your host, Kenny Severa, and today is episode three of Bench Talk. Join me on the show is Mark Walters from Walters World. Hey there, fellow travelers. Mark here with Walters World, and today we're here in Belfast, Northern Ireland. Mark is one of the best travel experts around and has been to over 70 countries and six continents. His YouTube channel, Walter World, Walters World, has gained over 800,000 subscribers. When he isn't traveling with his family, Walters is a marketing professor, PhD, at the University of Illinois. Please welcome to the show, Mark Walters. Thank you for being on the show today, man. Thanks, Kenny. I appreciate the invitation. All right, all right. I've been wanting to interview you for like a while now, and I actually bumped into you during the podcast movement. Yeah, it was fun. We were down in Nashville, and then we started talking a bit, and I'm glad we could get together to talk about where travel and sports kind of cross over, because they can be a great experience if mm-hmm. you're abroad. I mean, it's just a fantastic thing. All right. So let's, let me start with the first question. During your travels, have you visited any sports stadiums outside of the United States? Oh, yeah, I've been all over. I became kind of a, a pseudo mascot for a basically C, a Serie C, like C League team in Italy. Uh, went to, I don't know, I've probably been about 15 games for the Vicenza Calcio, the Vicenza team. Um, when I used to live in Berlin, I used to go to Hertha Berlin games all the time, more soccer games, lots of soccer stuff. It was fun going to like Borussia Dortmund, like the big time teams, but also going to some of the smaller teams like um, like this Colt Bus team, which is like, you know, middle of nowhere town. They got promoted to the major leagues, you know, like out of some kind of Hallmark movie kind of stuff. <laughs> that was fun. Um, going to games in, in Brazil and Argentina. And I, I remember going to games. They're like, you can go to that game, but you're not allowed to go to that game because that's the, the, the derby, you know, and you're going to get in trouble. So. <laughs> Been to a lot of different games, going to oh ice hockey in Finland and basketball in Lithuania. So uh, lots of different sports, a lot of different places. Nice. Uh, actually, uh, I've been to one sports stadiums outside the uh, United States. That was in Camp Nou. I didn't really oh, go yeah. to a game. Actually, I uh, actually had a tour of the facilities, and it's like one of the best stadiums I have ever been to. Outside oh, yeah, they have a great stadium tour there with all the trophies and the stories and everything. We did. We didn't get to go to a game, but we got to go through the, the tour with our kids and like mm-hmm. everybody loved it. Like they do a really good job. So I guess the second question I have is what is the experience like in other stadiums that you have visited outside of the United States? So, you know, I, I, first we got to preface like in the U.S., you know, it's like a whole experience, right? They've got like the fan experience. They've got the food experience. They've got, oh, yeah, there's a game going on as well. So it's mm-hmm. almost like you can enjoy the whole experience without watching the game. But pretty much everywhere else I've gone in the world, going to the game meant you're only going to the game. So like in Italy, there was no beer sales. Like you could get these little like coffee shots and that was about it. But it was and like food. There's like, oh, we got some, you know, potato chips. Like there's no, I, I kept as a marketing professor, I'm like, you have so many revenue streams you're missing out on. People <laughs> want to eat, people want to drink. Um so that was one thing I noticed was different. A lot fewer options for food, a lot fewer options for alcohol. Some places no alcohol was allowed. 
um, I took a group of students to a soccer match in Denmark and they actually had, they had alcohol there. I mean, it was like Carlsberg stadium or something like, so it was like, okay, yeah, they're going to have beer because that's a sponsor. So someplace you could have it, but it was really limited. Like, you know, you got popcorn and hot dogs. It's kind of like what I imagine going to games like in the 1920s and thirties were in the U S where it's like, ah. we got popcorn, peanuts, cold <laughs> beer. You know, that was about it. Um, but it's a very different experience because some places do have pseudo, I wouldn't say it's tailgating, but you might like, when I went to games in Italy, we'd all go to a restaurant before the game that were fans. We'd have kind of like a pre-party, then we'd go to the game. Or you'd, uh, my favorite times were when we would take the buses like six or seven hours to a game, you know, and there was one time we went, it was a seven hour bus ride down. We ended up getting a police escort the last part because our team and another team were not very friendly. And so when we got there, the mayor of the town banned the fans from that from our bus from going into the stadium really? so we had to sit outside the wow. stadium like with the <laughs> cops all around us the cops were videoing us and who's all there and stuff i was like it was really weird and i'm like all right but that was funny because that was like kind of a rival team but they're so far away didn't have much the funniest was we went to i think it was in brescia it was a, one of these like hey you know my friend's wife's like don't get arrested when <laughs> you go because it's one of those and i remember we, we were getting off the bus the cops are right there when you're walking off the bus and they're patting everybody down. And the guy stops me, pats me down and then like feels my belly and underneath my, uh, my, my coat. And he's like, oh, grasso, solo grasso. He's like, oh, you're fat. You're just fat. It's okay. I'm like, thanks. Yeah, no weapons, just fatness. So, uh, so it was a very, it was a different kind of vibe. Um, I do feel that the, the passion for the sports outside the U.S. going to be much more like focused passion. So in the U.S., you know, we have tons of different sports people can get behind. But like in a lot of countries, like in, in Lithuania, it's just basketball. Like that's what the people are insane yeah, about basketball. Yeah. You know? They actually know Italy, that too. Yeah, so, so it's a very a different vibe. So you get like true passion, like crazy passion sometimes when you go to games there, as opposed to, oh, it's just a family event. We're going to go to a game because we're in town. So... <laughs> So how was the atmosphere out there? The atmosphere was always good. It was, it was more electric. I mean, going to a Cardinals-Pirates game in July, not really exciting. But going uh, to like <laughs> some of these other some of these other sports was like, no, this is the whole town has been waiting for this game and all the stuff here. It definitely seemed a lot more like, how does it seem? A lot, lot more intense, not intense, but like more like more important, more impactful. Like people were more bought in. Uh, so that was kind of interesting. I know I hate to ask this, but there there are a lot of you know good stadiums out there. But what is what do you think is the worst stadium that you ever been to? The worst stadium I've been to, <laughs> I can say the worst <laughs> seat the I've had. There. The, 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 there's two worst seats I've had. One was when we were kids, we used to go to the old Bush Stadium in oh. St. Louis, and my parents would always get like upper deck seats because they were cheap, and we'd always be like in the sun. So it's like middle of July, St. Louis, 100% humidity, 105 degrees, sun beating down on you, just like, kill me now. <laughs> and I had poison ivy at the time. Oh God, it was just, that was the most miserable experience. And that stadium wasn't very good. But if I think to like stadiums I went to around the world, there's some, like I was in one in Portugal, I think it was the, the sporting stadium. I went to a bunch of games there when I was in Lisbon and the stadium was fine. But it's the, when you exit out, I remember going, people are going to die. Like, do they not have like safety procedures? Because it's kind of like, 
all the things exited out, but then there was like, not a moat, but there was like a drop off on the other side. So you had to then go around the stadium. So if anything happened, you really couldn't get more than like, you know, like 20 meters away from the wall of the stadium. I'm like, that's a safety thing I'm kind of worried about. Um, let's see. Then, I mean, if you go to like some of the like lower level teams, you know, it's like, you know, you, I've seen high school stadiums that were better. Um, <laughs> but I can't think of, I mean, nothing's too horrible. You know, it's just nothing's like, oh my gosh, but it was, uh, <laughs> there was some, I'm like, oh, hey, it's like I'm at a junior high stadium. So. Well, for me, um, I've been to a number of MLB stadiums so far, like seven to eight and growing. <laughs> but I think the worst stadium, I don't really have one, but I would have to say the new Yankee Stadium, actually, believe it or not. Because well, it has no spirit. It has no spirit. Yeah, exactly. Can... It has no spirit one. It just feels like it's not catered to the fans anymore. I know. And it's funny because you, I remember I went to the old Yankee stadium, mm-hmm. you know, and it's, it's like, I, I feel like the designers for the new Yankee stadium were from that eighties and nineties era when it was like, we're just going to make a big stadium exactly. and we're going to put whatever sport goes in it. So you had like the Astrodome, which was horrible for football and it was horrible yeah. for baseball. And they both mm-hmm. had to play there. You're like, this isn't good. You know, it's like the old Bush stadium. It wasn't made for anything really good. It was just a stadium. And, and yeah, Yankee Stadium now, you're like, you know, old Yankee Stadium was a, you used to like going to Fenway, going to Wrigley. You'd go there yeah, yeah. even if there wasn't a game. And now I'm like, nah. It's, it's weird. Like, I used to go to a lot of games at Yankee Stadium, but I don't really go anymore. I prefer City Field, actually. The yeah. City Field was actually much more catered to the fans. I know. And, and that's what's funny. I'm like, especially how baseball is now, where it's much more a regional thing. Like, you need to get those people wanting to come back and you're going to make, yeah, they buy the ticket, but then you need them to want to stay. You need them to want to eat there. You want them to be there. So they're just mm-hmm. putting more money in your pocket, you know, because that's where, you know, again, the, the, the marketing professor in me is like, we got to get as much <laughs> money from them as we can while they're here because they're going to buy their T-shirts outside, you know, for 10 bucks versus the $65, you know, official Yankee jersey, you know. Switching subjects, uh, what, are the, what are the best stadiums you've ever been to? Best stadiums I've been to. I think the best fan experience I had, I'm not a Cubs fan at all. Oh, I know where you're going with this. <laughs> but, but the first time I went to Wrigley was the first time, well, the first time I went to Wrigley with my son, my oldest son, when he was his first baseball game, he was like three. He had just cracked his head open. So like Ooh. he had a Band-Aid scar, you know, like still had like the blood stuff on here because <laughs> we had like, he'd cracked his head open in Portugal. And then we flew back to the U.S. for the summer, like three days later. And so it was still like all, and we come in and we got bleacher seats. And I didn't realize bleacher seats was like, yeah, just find where you can find a seat. And, and we're like, we got him. It's his first game. We're like, first game, you need to go down in case there's a home run. And so we ended up going like second row of the stadium uh, of, in the bleachers. Everybody's like, can I get a picture? So everyone's like picking him up to get a picture with him. You know, like first, first kid of this first Cubs game. Like, so we're just passing him around and just, had a really great time. Like that was a really great experience for first, like first game for him. But that was like my favorite kind of experience. The stadium itself isn't very comfortable to go to the bathroom in, but mm-hmm. um, but I kind of like the more traditional ones because I've been to a few. We just went to a Green Bay Packers game, and and for that was fun, not for the stadium itself, but just for the atmosphere outside because it was more like a college game beforehand with all the tailgating and stuff. Um, so that was fun. I did like. Um, I went to we went to a University of Georgia football game last last year no pre 2019 
And that was another one of the fun ones that the whole city is all done up. And then you kind of just walk into the stadium. The stadium's like in a hill. So instead of having to go up like nine sets of stairs, it's like, oh, you walk in. You're like, oh, we're right there. So that that was nice. Um, what are some other good ones? I don't know. I haven't been to, like, I haven't liked Allianz Stadium in, in Munich. I haven't been to that one. I wasn't, I, I don't know, the, the European soccer stadiums, I know they have it. It's more, you're more tight in. So that's kind of mm-hmm. cool because it's really set for the pitch. Um, but it, th- like <laughs> my back doesn't like them. I knew every time <laughs> I went to a European soccer match, not all of them, but like in the older stadiums, like in Berlin, they did in the old um, Olympic stadium and they, they've retrofitted it now. But back in the day, it was like the bench stadium. And after I like, oh, dude, my back, my back. <laughs> so, uh, so if you go to, uh, they still have that. If you go to like um, Lambeau Field, you can rent actually the seats you can sit on instead of just the bench, which I recommend. <laughs> So I think for me, the best stadium I've ever been to is actually Wrigley, but yeah. that's for the historic, for historical purposes. Yeah. But right yeah, now, good. have you ever been to uh, Petco, Petco Park? I've seen it from outside. I have not been in it, but I remember I was at a hotel, I was at a hotel and my, my window from my hotel room looked into it. I'm like, dang, that's a nice stadium. No, I actually been inside there actually in last June, actually. And it's very, very beautiful. Nice. I know. So speaking of Green Bay. You've been to a Green Bay Packers game, and you elaborated earlier that you actually, you know, experienced a lot of stuff in there. So, what would be what would you say about your experience attending that game? Well, so we went, and uh, a friend of ours he plays for the Washington Football Team. So my wife, and then his his wife, and then her mom, who's our friend, like we were, they were all in their Washington jerseys. And everybody was super nice to us, even though they had Washington jerseys on. I, I, I was, I was neutral, <laughs> so, um, so I was just neutral there. But like everyone was super nice with us, um, being there. Uh, it, it was really cool, and people were very friendly. Everyone went. What was cool though is like they have certain songs, like like "Roll the Barrel" or something. Like everybody sings along with the song at a certain time, and everyone does a certain dance and. And that was kind of fun. I was sad that they didn't have they didn't they didn't have any beer sales like in the stands. You always had to go in and get it. There's no food sales in the stands. Everything was you know cash free. So it was all by credit card, which I feel bad because like the vendors, a lot of them make a lot of their money off the tips, and there's no tips like people using credit card instead of oh the beer's an eight fifty beer. Here's ten bucks, keep it. Now it's eight fifty. Just sign and walk away. That buck fifty that would have gone to them is more likely not going to them. So. That was kind of an interesting thing, but the overall experience is really great. People were very friendly. Only one guy was kind of a jerk in front of us, but the thing was this all, and it wasn't, it was because my, my wife and our friends who were like, they're like, go Jonathan. Cause that's, that's literally her husband, you know? And the guy's like being a total jerk. He's like, Oh, I know personally. And the guys, all the green Bay fans around us like, dude, you're a jerk. Shut up. You know, like, it was like, that's his wife, man. Like every, and it was cool as, the ushers like, oh, you want to get a picture? So they got to go down to like right on the edge and he came and they got a nice little kiss and everything. And they got their pictures and everyone was super nice about it, except for that one guy. But everybody else was a total jerk to that guy for being such a jerk. So that was a pretty good experience. But I will say, don't expect that if you're a Bears fan and you go to Green Bay, they don't like Oh, them. you get killed over there. Yeah, they, that is the only time it's like, no, man, I, I don't go. Because we, we did a video on the, the don'ts of going to Lambeau Field and do a game and i'm like yeah they're great and one of them is like don't worry they're really friendly with visiting teams but i have a little note unless you're a chicago bears fan then don't (laughs) (laughs) or a minnesota vikings fan 
Yeah, yeah, that one, that one too. But that that one actually, Wisconsin has a lot of Minnesota Viking fans in, in Really, state. really. If you go, if you're near the 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 border of Minnesota, up that way. But uh, but was funny. But but they all hate Chicago. <laughs> <laughs> well, they did lose last night, so yeah. the Bears lost to the Packers last night, so yeah, it was very it's interesting. <laughs> What was it like seeing Aaron Rodgers close? Because Aaron Rodgers is one of my favorite players. It was like it was interesting. I've gone to games. I mean, I was going to like the greatest show on turf games in St. Louis back in the day. You know, uh, classic. You know, during the fun times, but like you can tell. I mean, when you watch him play, like that dude's good. Like you, you it's weird. Like you see it on TV, and you know they always have the good angles. But when you watch him in life, like you can you can really see that he knows what he's doing. And we were pretty close. We were like in the. 15th 20th row back so we could oh, nice. actually see down there and it was funny my my, my friend's husband got sacked him that day it's <laughs> like so i think he had two sacks so it was a good day for him so he got to see him up close and personal but uh no i mean you could really tell that he knew what he was doing and then the other quarterback was trying real hard but it wasn't the same like you could really feel and see the level uh, taylor heineke now he held himself so yeah taylor heineke is not a good quarterback at all like he yeah. didn't do well last actually yesterday it was, ter- yeah. it was terrible. <laughs> yeah. So is it really like the frozen tundra? Was it really freezing that day? Because I heard. No, like- we, so when we were there, it was unseasonably warm. Really? So like, so we only had jeans, t-shirt, quarter zip and winter coat on. <laughs> <laughs> That's the life right there. Because yeah. I would thought it would be freezing over there right now because they call Lambeau Field the frozen tundra. Yeah, well, it does get like. So I was talking to some of the people when I was there. That was cool. Everyone was sharing their stories, telling what it's like. They're like, you know, you can wear shorts to the game, like, through September, you know, that you, you might get lucky. Then it's like October is when it can be hit and miss. So we went in October, and it was probably, like, in the 40s for the game. So it wasn't too bad. I could see if it was at night, it'd be pretty chilly. But they were telling me, like, no, you have, there's coats that have heaters built inside of it so you can watch the game. Really? And like stay warm and stuff like oh yeah and you have like your gloves like everyone has their whole kind of kit for when it's going to be a frozen tundra game but yeah i mean you're I, we were never warm let's put it that way like <laughs> my my winter coat stayed up and zipped up the whole time awesome awesome nobody likes hypothermia <laughs> no 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 do you have any tips on people who want to travel to green bay for a game so one thing is you got to buy, buy your tickets ahead of time and get your hotels as early as possible. Cause in April, they're going to release the schedule for the next NFL season. Once they release it, I mean, get the hotel before you get the tickets. Otherwise you might be either one, like we ended up getting, finding out we got tickets like two weeks before. Cause they're like, Hey, you want to go to the game with us? We got a couple extra tickets. We're like, sure. And we ended up staying to pretty much a dump but it was like the only dump that was available. So you might have to stay out of town, which can be annoying. Um, so I would say book your hotel right away, um, your tickets, and know that if you're in the lower bowl, wherever you are, it's all bench seating. So you can rent a, a little like cushion and with a back on to help you out. Um, that That's that's helpful. Food wise, don't, don't look for any, like, you know, like now a lot of states have like healthy food and healthy options. Don't expect that. Oh. <laughs> mac and cheese cheese curds brats like they do have what's interesting is they actually do have some like like gas station kiosk kind of things where it's like mm-hmm. you, know, you can go through and buy your i don't know cheeses but it was like a almost like a mini mart you can get stuff there and they had barbecue and things but uh it is definitely minnesota so uh <laughs> you're gonna have a lot of minnesota treats when you're there and finally are there any other stadiums that you want to visit 
So I would like to go. So I've been to the Americana in in, in Rio, Rama in Rio. I've been outside, but I've never gone to a game inside. Um, I would like to do that. Um, one one thing I really like to do is not necessarily a stadium. I'd like to go and see a final, like a World Cup final, a European Cup final, a Concacaf final, something. Because we were in Paris in 2019 when the U.S. women's team was in the World Cup, mm-hmm. and there was a chance for us to get like semifinal tickets. So my son and I could go because we were watching because we were traveling Europe at the time. And so we had been watching all the games, gotten all excited for the U.S. team. And, and it was like, oh, we get the tickets. And we looked online. It was something like a thousand bucks a pop. And I'm like, Yikes. I'm like, I can't. I just couldn't. I'm like, bucks the, I was like, if it was the final. OK, I guess I can like maybe, maybe, maybe. But I was <laughs> like, no, this is it was just it was too much out of our price range. And I was like, dang it. But that, that's one thing I'd like to go see. All right, so let's talk about travel since you're like the travel expert around here. So how did Walter's World came about? I started making YouTube videos for like my wife because she was going to be coming to the U to move to Portugal to be with me. I was living there at the time and I was making them for my students because a lot of them weren't native speakers. So I was helping them with some business topics. But the Walter's World videos, like the five love and hates, the culture shocks you have, the do's and don'ts of travel, that started because I was in Italy and I bought a guidebook and the guidebook made the crappiest towns possible sound fantastic. And I had this guidebook and I went to one of the towns and it was like the, the Palazzo was a parking lot now and the, the castle was closed, the museum had nothing. That It was just like reading the guidebook. It was like, did I have the right town because it was so off? And then I started looking more at blogs and, and, you know, and seeing things. I'm like, man, a lot of these people are just writing nice things because they got free stuff or they don't want to say anything mean or bad, which I can understand. But I was like, that's not right. Because then I thought of like my friends, because I was in my 20s at the time. And I was thinking of my friends, you know, who had maybe 10 days of vacation a year. You know, I'm, I'm like, wait, if you take your once in a lifetime trip to Europe and you go to some town because some blogger or some writer like got paid off to say something nice about a town, that's not right. Because then 10%, 20% of your vacation is wasted because mm-hmm. someone got a free beer. That's that's not right. Uh, so, that's not right. Yeah, no. So, so from that moment on, I focus on honest travel advice. So I'll tell the good and the bad, so people are more prepared. So then you can travel and enjoy. Because some things that people get really upset about, if you just know about beforehand, you're okay with it. You know, it's like, hey, you know, and like I, I use always this example: paying for the bread and butter. You have to pay for the bread and the butter in Lisbon, and people get really mad if they don't know that. But if they know beforehand, they're like, no, I'm okay. I don't need any bread. Ha ha. So it goes from like something that makes them really mad to like, ha ha. I do that cultural difference. So well, you can, we say, really you, can say that, to, you can say that also using the bathroom Italy because you have to pay to use the bathroom. Exactly. And in, in Germany, there's like the toilet women who are like outside that give you the look and you're like, they're like, we well, don't have to pay them. Like, yes, you do. They keep it clean. That's why the bathrooms are clean. You know? Exactly. Yeah. You know, and it's like my mom, well, like my mom and I, when we go traveling together, she always has a handful of coin in her pocket because she doesn't know if she needs a two-year-old coin, a one-year-old coin, a 50-cent coin. You know, she has like multiple coins. So when she goes to the bathroom, she can pay for whatever she needs. And it's funny because sometimes European, Europeans will get mad. Like, we don't all make them pay. I'm like, no, you don't. But the place where tourists go, it does happen. So it's good to be prepared, you know? Yeah, exactly. Uh, so, yeah, I mean, when I went to Italy, I was inside a mall, actually, and I had to use the bathroom. And I went straight to the bathroom. And then there was this old Italian lady. And I was, I was wondering, like, why is she here? Like, she's, she was looking at me very, very weird. And then, like, um, when I came in, when I came out of the bathroom, she was like, this, 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 this. 
And I started myself, do I have to pay this lady to use the bathroom? Because I didn't know at the time that you had to pay to, you know, use the bathroom in like certain European countries. Mm-hmm. And it was something that actually was a little bit of a culture shock to me because I'm not used to it here in America. Yeah. And yeah, it was actually a very interesting experience. Oh, yeah. And that, that's one thing a lot of people don't know. So our, our old travel videos, we had a bunch that really we just started talking about like the bathroom. Like I have a video that I filmed years ago that I just found on a old hard drive. And it's like what you should know for your first time in Europe. And number one was talking about paying for the toilets. And it was like, I literally, I found it like two weeks ago. I'm like, oh, I gotta, I gotta put this one out. You know, I'm like probably like 30, 40 pounds lighter. And like, there's no gray in the beard or that. And I, yeah, well, I was still baldish, but you know, I was like, it's obvious it's from years ago. Like, no, nah, I have to, I have to put this one out. It's too good. It's too good. <laughs> you still look the same though. <laughs> oh, I thank you. I thank you. Uh, you obviously have been around the world with your family. Can you name me your top five places you've ever been to? So my top five favorite places, if we go country-wise, we've got Brazil, we've got Rwanda, we've got Italy, we've got France, and um, hmm, what would be number five? Actually, I love travel around the U.S. too, so those are my top five countries. Oh, nice. I mean, I've been to Cuba as well. Cuba is one of my favorite places to travel. Yeah, that's fine. Yeah, we, my wife and I were looking to go there. We just were talking about it, but they're still closed down, so you can't go in. Yeah, so that's what. Yeah, that's because we were going to go with the kids, I don't know, like five or six years ago, and then the rules changed. Then we couldn't do the kit, and we're like, ah. And so then we pushed it back, and now it's been, then that, that COVID thing happened. So then I got, yeah. I actually got lucky time. because I actually went on a cruise that actually led into Havana, and oh, nice. I was way back in. 2018 i think oh, and cool. it was actually a very very interesting experience so i would put oh. habana first uh naples italy i love naples oh, really cool. really nice place then rome then london london i've been there a couple of years ago really really nice city oh yeah and the final one that you have the tie between paris and nice cool yeah those are good places man those are good places I, yeah i hope to travel more often because i like to travel a lot when i get yeah. the chances all right, so the next question is, what is the most shocking thing that you have seen while traveling? <laughs> I know, I know. I'm sorry for the off-topic off well, questions. I, I, have to, I have to figure out how to, uh, which ones I can actually say on a podcast. <laughs> <laughs> no, you can say, you can say. I'm like, oh my. I think, I think I'll do this one. This is one that my son and I experienced together, and we never spoke about it but we both experienced it at the same time. So many years ago, I was teaching in Beijing Mm -hmm. and one afternoon we went to the Forbidden City and we're waiting in line and it's like the hottest summer and hottest like a hundred and some degrees. People are everywhere. There's no shade, no nothing. So everyone's just like so hot, so miserable. And so I take my son who was probably six at the time, seven at the time, we and I are walking around trying to find a place to buy water, buy anything to get some liquids in us. And we, we, we look and we're looking around and then all of a sudden the, the crowd separates and we see a trash can, but it's a metal, it's, you know, like if you watch the old eighties movie, like the homeless guys with the fire, yeah, well, yeah. the metal can, the barrel. Yeah. There's one of those there and there's a dad holding this kid up spread leg and the kid goes poop. But the thing was is, it's imagine that the people spread out of the way. Dad goes, this kid's poop. And I'm not joking you. It was Cheetos orange. 
Really? Like it glowed <laughs> in the daylight. And my kid and I both were like, wow. And we just kind of like, we both looked at each other and then we just walked back. And then my wife's like, what happened? We're like nothing, nothing at all. And I still remember that. And to this day, we'll be like, what the heck did that kid eat? Because wow. I mean, it was literally like, like bright orange, like Nike super duper glow orange. Like the kid could like keep people safe on construction site orange. Like that was the most shocking thing we saw because it was just broad daylight, you know, da, 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 boom, right there. Wow. That for was, me, wow. For me, actually, well, I don't really have any shocking thing, but when I went to Barcelona a couple of years ago, um, I, I stumbled upon like a nude beach. Yeah. It said they're very, very big over there, the nude beach, mm -hmm. and it kind of, I would say kind of weirded out because I never witnessed that there. Yeah. It was, I never yeah. witnessed that here in the United States. So I'm like, yeah. okay, why is everybody, you know, private parts hanging out and stuff like that? <laughs> but it was actually- You missed the sign. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, so that would be my shot, most shocking, you know, moment in traveling. So the next yeah. question I would have is, what are some of the places that you haven't been but would love to travel to? So this is one, it's easy because it's pretty, basically 2020 was our year we were going to hit up the places we really wanted to go. Mm -hmm. um, and so obviously all that got canceled. So the ones that are left, like the big ones I really want to see, Egypt, Israel, Bhutan. Those are the three big ones and then New Zealand. So those oh, are the four we had kind of set up. We were looking to go to in 2020 and poof. Uh, well, that's how the universe works. <laughs> I know. So we're trying to figure out how to get back to that. But I'm waiting for some of those ones. I'm waiting until things are more calmed down with COVID and all this stuff. Because another resurgence of something, things get closed down again. I'm, I think for 2022, we're going to be more going to places that were open in 2021. Mm -hmm. You know, because like if they're open 21, they'll probably open in 22. So we can plan that way. So hopefully, hopefully, maybe 2023, we'll get to those places. So for me, I'll have to be number one, New Zealand. Number two, Japan. I, I would love to go to Japan one day. And number three, like, it's shocking to people, but Singapore. I know a lot of people that really like Singapore. I think like, Singapore is, like, it's one of those underrated countries that um, people don't really know about because it's such a city state, just a small state. Yeah. And that's, like, one of the countries I really want to go to one day. Yeah, no, I have a, I have a bunch of students that have studied there, and they all loved it. They all love Singapore. So I have more, a couple more questions. Um, given that COVID-19 pandemic has changed the way we traveled, what are some of the changes that you have noticed while traveling abroad? Well, I've seen that people are talking less to each other. And that's not just like in travel. That's everything. Like people got more introverted and it's harder to get people to talk. Mm -hmm. um, I know for my teaching, like it took me three weeks to get my students to actually like answer questions in class. So like people need that time to get back. Um, however, I will say there's one positive that COVID has done for travelers because people are always wondering, well, how do I talk to locals? Well, now you always have something to talk about. What did you do during the pandemic? What did you do during COVID? And you can talk to them like, you know, like in the US people talked about Tiger King and stuff last year, right? And so yeah. you, know, you, you find something that's like, oh, where were you? Oh, we were locked down for six months. Oh, what did you do? How did you not go crazy? it gives you something to talk about that can bind us together to mm -hmm. find some kind of connection. So in a way, that's a good thing. I mean, I'm looking for the positive sides here. So it gives you a way to talk about things. Um, 
another thing is like the the vaccine, like your your vaccination cards and all that stuff. I think that's something you're going to see probably for the next year or so, where it's going to be like, hey, you know, do you have your vaccination card, or do you have like get testing to go to a country or something? I think that'll keep going for a little while. Um, but yeah, I think. But the thing is, is a lot of the sites are still there, and so that's good. Uh, but one of the things I have seen is actually the mom and pop restaurants, which make up a great deal of the the experience of going to a lot of countries, actually didn't make it through. So that's sad. And a lot of the smaller like historical museums went out of business too. So that's what's sad. It's like, you, they, yeah, the Louvre's still there. The Louvre's fine. The Musée d'Orsay is there. The Met's still there. But if you wanted to see that local history museum or that local children's museum, those are the ones that really got hit the hardest and they're the ones that went out of business. So that's why we did a bunch of stuff to try to get people to you know travel local and support their local tourism industries because they're hurting the most. Oh man, that's so sad. But do you think that we are, we will ever return back to pre-COVID travel? Oh yeah, well the numbers for international the numbers for travel we're getting close to getting back to there. Um, I think we will. I think what's what's going to take is when more places open up because even now there's places you can't go. Like yeah, we can't go to, yeah. but you know it's like we were looking at places to go to next year, and you know there's like Delta Airlines like oh we've got like six places you can go or fly to in the Caribbean. I'm like, did you used to have like 12 or 15? No, there's only, cause that's the only ones that are letting people in. So I think things have to open up more and people need to feel more comfortable. I think people do feel more comfortable. Like you do see like the national parks were packed this year, you know? And they're even packed towards the end of 2020 and you're still seeing a lot more outdoor stuff. But I think getting back where it's like, oh, we're gonna go to Europe for the summer. That's maybe 2023, 2024, mm-hmm. when people are really feeling like, oh, that's got a viable travel option. Because though people went to Europe this summer, it wasn't from the US, it wasn't like it was before. And then you have to look at going to Asia and South America, those ones, and it's going to take time. And I think what we'll see is people will be going back to like the old standbys first. So like the Paris's and the London's. So if you decide to go to a secondary place like a Bordeaux or a Strasbourg, you're in France, you're going to have a better chance to get a better experience with less tourists because the international tourists are going to go back to that. I miss London. I miss Paris. I want to go back versus I want to explore some new stuff. So nice, nice. Because I'm thinking of traveling next year, but I don't know where. But yeah. it should be. I should figure it out eventually. So last yeah. few questions. Um, do you have any projects that you have in the works that uh, that you want to share? Yes. So if you're thinking about doing travel planning and you're not sure where to begin, we just came out with a new travel planning 101 course. Uh, if you go to brighttrip.com slash Walter's World, uh, you can look on there. Just go to brighttrip.com, look up travel planning. My wife and I have a 20 video series that goes over all the basics from how to choose a destination to what are the different hotel options, how to book a plane uh, tickets, all kinds of things, how to be safe when you travel. So we have that. That's a brand that just came out last week. Uh, so we have that. Um, or if you want, you can always join us on our usual travel channels at Walter's World. Uh, we're, we're there always giving out honest travel advice to help people travel the world back. Nice, nice. So if you ever need, uh, you have any travel advice, Mark Walters demand for that. <laughs> Thanks, Kenny. I appreciate it, my friend. All right. So that's all the questions I have. And, you know, I want to thank you for being on the show today. All right. Well, thanks for having me. I appreciate it. All right. Have a good one. Well, that is the end of this episode. A special thank you to Mark Walters for Walters World for being on the show. Mark is one of the most foremost experts in traveling. And you can find him on YouTube, just search Walter's World. In addition, you can find him on Twitter at 
Walters World and on Instagram at Walters World. Check out his website, waltersworld.com. For the full audio episodes and future episodes, head on over to kendesportsguy.com, Ken with two ends. This episode is also available on Spotify, Google Podcasts, Stitcher, and Amazon Music. Until the next episode, see ya, and I hope you stay safe and healthy. Kenny, the Sports Guy Podcast.